Live from the 215, this is Behind the Arts, Season 2, Episode 1. I am your host, the hottest, the fastest rising, non-trained professional wrestler in the sports here today. I am Geechee, here with my very, very special guest. This interview is a year in the making. This guy is the heavyweight champion when it comes to collections. We're talking about belt collections. We're talking about action figures. We're talking about toys. We're talking about from cinema to professional wrestling. Here, my guy, JB Toys. What's up, bro? Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, man, you said I had to put you over, you know on? what I'm saying? I, I had to put my guy over, hey. man. Hey, man, I felt it. That, that was good. That was good. A year in the making, though, for sure. Yeah. Mean, it's, been, it's been a long time trying to get us together. I know, man. But, it, like, the universe and everything that, you know, we're doing right now is, like, perfect timing. Like, you know, and, and, and people out there listening right now, uh, you, you, you have someone of his stature. You have someone that is making belts for your favorite wrestlers here today. We'll get into that. But, you know, hey, you got to take your time with these things, man. You got to learn, do your research. And, you know, man, one thing I respect about you, man, you're a humble, very uh, nice guy. And at the same time, you don't take no shit, man. And, and I really respect that. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And, uh, hey, I mean, in this business, you get a lot of haters. You get a lot, of, a little bit of everything. And you just got to take it as it comes. But, you know, like, it doesn't happen overnight, like you said, man. 30 years in the making for me, this is it's all finally coming together. You know, same for you, man. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. But listen, like, before we get into, like, your success right here, right now, uh, like, I was doing a little bit of research, right? And I see it's a difference. Okay. It's a slight difference between, like, action figures and toys. Would you, like, clear that, clarify that out for, like, the listeners out there? Yeah, I mean, everybody's got a little bit different perspective on it. But, I mean... With the action figure base, which is so huge, uh, you know, around the world, I mean, action figures, it, it's just all the time. They're figurines. They come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, anywhere from 3-inch to, you know, 12, 14-inch action figures. Um, I mean, that, that's always been my passion. But with toys in general, I mean, there's a huge variety. I mean, these action figures have play sets. There's, there's die-cast cars. There's, there's everything. I mean, there's dolls. You name it. You know, it, it's out there, but I, I focus a lot on the toys, but most specifically the action figures. That's that's what's driven me since I was a little kid. And who's responsible for that? Who took you to the store and you were like, "Oh wow, what is, what is that right there?" <laughs> you can you can thank my mom for that craze. My ever since I was a little kid, I was always you know we'd go into the store just like any kid would, and you, you see all the colorful packaging on the shelves. You see all the action figures from everything you watch on TV, from cartoons. You know all that stuff, movies, um, and and I you take 1987. We go all the way back then, and I remember my mom taking me into Ames and Kmart. If you remember, you know, and it's just like, oh, what do you what do you want to get? You can get one action figure, and I'm sitting there looking at this world of Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters and pro wrestlers, WWF stuff, and I'm just like, where do I begin? And so, you know, as a kid, I had to have it all, and my mom knew that, and she supported the habit. So I started young, and I would say I was pretty spoiled, to be honest, man. I had a little bit of everything, but it just it never stopped. And here we are at 34 years old, and I'm still going to the store every week buying. Yo, man, thanks for making me feel like my collection is fucking tragic for my titles and everything like that. I thought I was doing something. People would come to the cave and they're like, yo, you're fucking all, your toys are awesome. I'm like, yeah, I got like five or six of them. Then I follow, I don't know how I came across your page. I follow you and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what? Like, how? <laughs> like, how, how do I catch up to this? <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by it myself. I don't even know how, like, you know, where it got to the point that it did. But I remember when I had my first 
and I'm like, damn, I need a bigger house. Right, right. <laughs> because it holds everything. <laughs> you know, now we're looking at moving to a whole different area, and it's not even because we need to, it's because I have to. I need to make more room. A man cave isn't big enough. I need, like, a, my own little museum or something. Shit, it looks like you have a museum, the, the, all, all those action figures, like, for real. Like, I mean, and, and we're not even just talking about, like, wrestling. Like, I've seen, like, action figures as far as, uh, you know, I've seen when you actually got it signed by Michael Myers himself, correct? Yes, yeah, and, I, and that's another thing. And this hobby goes into all different, you know, realms. Like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, collecting the action figures isn't enough. I need to meet the actual celebrity. I need to get them to autograph this, you know, stuff like that. So I go to conventions, all the different comic cons, and, you know, I'm a big horror movie fan, so I've got all the different Jason Voorhees characters that ever played him. They're signing my figures. Michael Myers recently, like you said. I mean, it, it's getting out of control, you know, and then that adds to the investment in the action figure itself, makes it worth a little bit more, and it's cool to be like, yeah, I met, I met the dude that played that guy, and fucking signed it, took pictures with it, and... You know, it's pretty surreal. Yeah, because I, I know when I meet certain people, you kind of, like, respect them more, respect the craft more. So it's, like, always great. And I know, like, you probably you met, like, everybody. Like, uh, it's crazy. But real quick, you said you were a big fan of horror movies. I am, too. Uh, did you see uh, the new Chucky? Did you see the new Child's Play? I did. I did see it. And, you know, I went into it with no expectations. And I, I saw what Chucky looked like in the movie. And I was like, man, he looks a little different. It's, you know, it's almost a little funky looking. And I'm so used to that 80s old school horror. I said, you know what, whatever. You know, we went through Bride and Chucky. We went through Seed and Chucky. I sat through that horrible shit. So I'm like, this can't be that bad. You know, so I went in there. Well, I'll say, I actually thought it was a pretty good movie. What did you think? Yo, I loved it. I, I loved the little twist that they had with it. It was, it was definitely dope. Um, because as you know, like the original is the guy, you know, he, he basically uh, did a summons and went into actual toy and, you know, he was trying, his whole thing was trying to get back into a human body. This one was like more of a dramatical era. Uh, uh, and um, basically he just watched everything and, you know, was obsessed um, with the actual, with Andy. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a very, very good uh, spinoff or, or remake to kind of like Brandon at his own. Because I'm not a real big fan of like uh, remix I, in, in doing them the exact, the exact same way. So I, I went into it just right. like you. Uh, thinking like, all right, well, I'm just gonna, you know, watch it and, and without no expectation, and then it was it was pretty good. I can't say the same for the new Annabelle movie. I did not like the new Annabelle movie. Did you check that out? No, I didn't see that yet. But uh, you know, with the, going back to the Chucky thing, is I think the thing that made that movie decent is that it's believable because with technology nowadays and all this modern technology we have and these voice commands and all this, you know, this stuff. I, I've seen my, um, you know, my Alexa. Has said stuff to me when I'm not even talking to her. I'll be watching TV and she's like, "Oh, did you want me to order this?" And I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, turn off, turn off." You know, like, what the hell is this thing doing? Yeah. So when you see Chucky and he's commanding, you know, all this like, you know, science and intelligence, and he's doing all this crazy stuff with technology, I'm like, this spin on this movie is fantastic because. In the days of, you know, insulting the intelligence, saying that, like, there's a real-life dude trapped in a toy doll's body, you know, we're, we're beyond that. So, like, yeah. the fact that he's controlling your thermostat in your house, it's literally the heat to burn you up. I mean, that's crazy <laughs> shit we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah for sure. I loved it, but Annabelle, I don't know. I don't, I might wait until that comes out on TV before I go and see it. Yeah, my, my favorite parts of that is, like, The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring uh, movies uh, of those. What was your, like... Uh, favorite horror movie before we get back to the actual toys what, what was your favorite horror movie in these last like couple years uh, that you th that you think that came out 
Oh man, I I see so many. I I, I stick to a lot of the, the true original stuff, and I honestly was a big fan of the last Halloween movie that came out. You know, giving us a little bit of closure there and seeing Laurie Strode, you know, older and more badass, and finally getting a redemption against Michael. Like I thought that that was very well done, and it was so apart from the new Rob Zombie stuff that he's done because that stuff was pretty pretty out there. Yeah. This kind of brought you back to the original and was more true to it. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, man, we we can have a whole conversation on that because I'm a big hard movie, <laughs> a big hard movie fan. I see you had some like uh, Jurassic Park stuff. Uh, that that's fucking interesting. Um, I seen that you've uh, you said you met Jason. Uh, back to like uh, the wrestling thing. Like what what is what is your favorite? Well, how many titles do you actually have? Right now, I'm sitting on 96. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? Can you say that one more time? (laughs) 96 championship belts I'm sitting on that are in my personal collection. It's funny when I mention that. I feel stupid saying it because people are like, there's no way. And I'm like, well, you know what? They're like, well, there's not that many belts out there. You wouldn't be, you know, you'd be mind blown by the amount of belts in different indie organizations and different versions of belts out there. So yeah, I'll be working on hitting that 100 mark probably in the next few weeks here, hopefully. And what is your favorite title and why out of 96 belts? I, you know, it all goes back to the prestige and what I grew up with of the WWF Winged Eagle Championship. Ooh. I mean, that, that's got to be my number one. I'm looking yeah. at it right now on my wall. Not not the actual belt, but it's around Shawn Michaels on my wall. <laughs> so it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those belts that's like, you know, when you grow up and you idolize these larger-than-life characters, and then you see that on them, and you're thinking to yourself as a kid, what I would do to just see that belt in person, how iconic that symbol is of that winged eagle, and, like, that's etched in your mind. And then you get older, and it's like, oh, they're going to sell replica belts, and, oh, I can never afford that. I'm a kid, you know. A couple hundred bucks is a lot to spend on something like that. And then you finally, you know, start doing business, and you're like, wow, I can actually get one of these, you know. Just the habit just spiraled out of control because I started with a couple, and I fell in love with it. And then I had to have better versions, and I had to have more versions. And I was like, I mean, 96, I can't even tell you how many different organizations it's been, how many indie promotions, how many pro wrestling promotions, but that Wing Eagle's always stuck with me. Like, that was my childhood, so. So, like, any event that you would go to, you would probably, that'll be, like, your number one pick. Like, I'm going to grab this out of my 96 and go to this, whatever show it is, rather if it's AEW, WWE, uh, any indie promotion, because I see you get around. So, that's, like, one of your top or your first one that you go to out of, out of all of those belts. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, that would be it. And it's tough, too, because, I mean, I like to get them signed, and you never know who you're going to meet. So now that I'm getting all the wrestling autographs, like, I'll just take, you know, whatever theme to that event. So if it's AEW, I'll be bringing an AEW belt. I've got the world title, the overall title, you know, the tag titles, the six-man, whatever it is. I'm bringing a whole bundle with me. i got a group bringing them, you know, just in the, you know, instance that we meet somebody that I can get them signed, so. Man. You are the fucking goat, man. Now, how how many how many how many action figures do you believe that you have? Because I know you just did a I, raffle I could, and gave a lot away and sold some also. But like, how many do you think? Like, give me like a ballpark. I know, you, I know it's probably hard. That that's tough. I mean, there's thousands, and it, it's overwhelming to even think of the number. But because I've got so much, and it's 
I know that we've been working on trying to, you know, figure out value. And it's something where I've talked to Guinness Book of World Records where I told them I wanted to have a category for the uh, largest toy slash action figure collection. And they said that they didn't have the category, but they would do it um, for this case. Uh, But I would have to get a total value and an estimated number count. So I'm like, where do I even begin? That's a full-time job on its own. Um, But I mean, I've got to estimate that my collection itself is somewhere in the you know three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand range right off the bat without even really digging into it. <laughs> I have no idea how many there are though, <laughs> oh but there's probably a half a million in toys down here. So. Oh my god! And I'm sitting here and I'm your first interview and I'm so fucking proud about that because I waited a year to have this conversation with my guy and we've created a bond and now we're here today and it's fucking beautiful, man. It's like shit. Like when you when I look at your page and I look at all those titles, you know, all those action figures as a fan of of movies and as a fan of like professional wrestling man it's like that is like the ultimate fucking cave or the ultimate fucking house to to have all that shit in there man um you said you met a, a lot of people who who was like the nicest person that you've met out of like all the wrestlers that you've ever that you ever encountered um, I, it's tough, man. I with so many that I've met, I one that stands out is somebody who gets a lot of negative publicity when it comes to you know PR meeting people. But I think that Ric Flair was one of the nicest, down to earth guys I have ever met. And for somebody with such a legend and such a story, um, you know, it's he's larger than life. And you think you're meeting him that he'd be arrogant or cocky, but he was all about his fans. He was all about taking the time to sit with you and talk. I mean, this, when I met him. It was around the time Charlotte was breaking into the business, and I had brought him my uh, 91-93 to WCW World title. Everyone else in there has got a belt brought the big gold. You know, that's just that's Ric Flair, but not me. I was like, no. Like, everybody does it. That 91-93 World title was so cool and so scary to see. I'm bringing that from the side. And, you know, so when I brought it up to him, he was like, oh, wow. He's like, you don't see this belt every day. And I said, no. I said, no, honestly, I don't think it gets the, you know, just do that it deserves. So he looked it over and he signed it. He goes, you mind if I put Starcade 93 on here? And I'm like, you know what? I said, that's exactly what I was thinking because this belt reminds me of Vader versus Ric Flair, Starcade 93. And so he signed it, he personalized it. He even wanted it in the photo with us. And from the guys that I've met in my life, I mean, they don't, they, you feel rushed. You feel like, you know, you got to keep moving through. But he wanted to do all this stuff for me. And I'm just like, it was super humbling to know that a guy with such, you know, stature was going to take the time to sit with each fan and do that. So I've got a little picture that I posted on my Instagram before. But he was thrilled to see it and he wanted to talk to business and he was, you know, happy to meet the fans. So that one's always stuck with me as being a real personable guy that you, you wouldn't think would be. That's awesome, man. And he's arguably a lot of people's, like, greatest of all time especially with his story that he's had in one of those rides and he like beat death at least 20 times at, the, at this particular time man rick is the fucking man you know what i mean so yeah that story in itself is is, is fucking awesome and i also uh know that you have a story about uh one of the best in the world if not the best in the world kenny omega when you met kenny omega how, how was yeah, that no, how was that encounter oh man I'm a big, big Kenny Omega fan. And I know a lot of people say there's a hype and there's a bandwagon for it. The guy's got raw talent, man. I mean, he is what he says he is. He's one of the best in the world right now. You know, and I put him right up there next to Seth Rollins, probably the two best wrestlers that we have currently. And to meet him, I was so nervous. And I knew that I was going to this Ring of Honor show in Buffalo. 
um, and I had just finished uh, the United States New Japan belt that he had just won. Um, it had aired on TV weeks earlier, and I was rushing to get this belt done for the show. And I'm like, what is it going to be like to walk into this Ring of Honor show to meet Kenny and present him with this title right in front of him? And, you know, I, there was a lot of feelings, and I was, like, super nervous. And I got there, and everybody flocked to me. People were like, where did you get this belt? Oh, my God, we have it. Like, it just came on TV. How do you already have one? So, you know, I told them about the stories about making the belts and, you know, the process. It just, people were just super blown away by that. Um, but I, I got there and I walked through and I see the Bucks coming out of the back office area with Kenny trailing behind. And the Bucks pointed at me and then said, Kenny, then you've got your effing belt. And I looked at him and I'm like, what? And Kenny goes, what the fuck? He goes, did they bring it? And they walked past me. And Kenny's got this puzzled look on his face. And now instead of me being like thrilled, I'm like, they walked by me. They said something about the belt, but they're acting like really weird about it. So I, I kind of like let that go, and I went and sat down for a few, and they started doing their signing. So I went up, and I was first in line for Kenny. I had to be right there. And Kenny looks at me, and he's laughing. He goes, come over here. He goes, well, is this my belt? And I said, well, it's the U.S. belt. What do you mean? Is he yours? He goes, okay, I got to just tell you straight up. He goes, I've been waiting for this belt to be delivered, the real belt, from Japan, and they never put it with the luggage. It never arrived here in Buffalo. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Are you kidding? He goes, so when we walked by you, we thought you were a representative for Ring of Honor for something and were, were delivering it to me. So when you walked by us, he goes, I was like, what's going on? And he goes, so, yeah, I don't have my belt here. He goes, and I'm going to be on a live TV taping on a pay-per-view for, you know, War of the Worlds, and I don't have my belt. And I said, dude, I would be completely okay with you taking my belt and walking down that aisle with it. It's all yours for tonight. And so he's holding it, and he's like, I can't believe this. I, I literally would think this is my belt, you know? He's like, it, it's beautiful. It's exactly what my belt looks like. And I said, I appreciate it, man. I said, I made it. And he was oh like, God. how? <laughs> you know, like, he I said, you don't need to be, you know, speechless here. I'm the one meeting one of my idols right now. So let's reverse the role here. So I put it over his shoulder. I said, let's take a picture with it. That'd be awesome. So we got a good picture together. And I said, honestly, if you want this belt for tonight, man, it's yours. So he was going to take it, but the Bucks were sitting next to him doing another signing, and they said, hey, we need a six-man for the six-man tag title match. Um, if you're going to be in the match with us, why don't you just rock the six-man tag? And I was like, damn it. I'm like, that would have been so cool to have Kenny bring my belt out. And Kenny goes, i got to be honest. This belt's so beautiful. I don't want it damaged tonight. He goes, and he goes, it's going to get thrown around out there. I, I'll just wear the six-man tag belt tonight, but I really appreciate it, man. And he goes, I'm going to sign it as the first ever you know, U.S. champ and all that. So we had a good experience, but yeah, it was pretty close to him wearing it down the ramp, which would have been pretty wild. Oh, my God, dude. Now, listen, <laughs> the big question that he asked what I was going to get to is how, how exactly, well, for one, what made you get into it? You said you 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 started out. You get you got a toy, and then you you wanted to continue. You got an action figure. Then you wanted to continue. You wanted more and more and more. You had to have it all. Then you got it all, and then you know you got all the titles, and then you started to create them. How how, how does that happen? Because that shit doesn't happen. So what is the process of creating a title just in, in general? Rather if it's a you know a replica for your personal use or rather if it's a custom for a particular person that we're gonna to get to in, in, in a minute. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, believe it or not. I mean, a lot of people, they don't think about the process. And when I was collecting belts, I started out just like any other kid with those little foam 
championship belts. They're like 15, 20 bucks at your local store. Um, but that wasn't enough. I'm like, I need the real thing. So when replicas came out, I started collecting the replicas. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is the replica belt started out with two millimeter metal plates, which is super thin. You know, to, to the normal person, they're going to look at it and I'll be like, oh, that belt looks awesome. It's beautiful, just like the real thing. But when I was introduced by a good friend who was a very big belt collector back in the day, he showed me a four millimeter thick metal plated belt. And I was like, I'm never going back. I mean, this is a whole new game changer here. The detail, the action. So my passion for the belt started to get really detailed. And I started looking at the leather work. And I was like, you know, it was all about quality to me. So as I started buying from, you know, manufacturers all over the world, I mean, you name it, I was buying from them. Um, and comparing their work, I was like, why am I not doing this? Because this is something I love. So I, I got in touch with somebody who did uh, leather belts, like actual, you know, belt buckles and such. And uh, we got talking and I'm like, so what would it take for me to collaborate with you? Uh, because you have the machinery and you have everything I need. You don't have the knowledge of wrestling, but I do. I think we can make this work. And uh, lo and behold, you know, we got it going and we tried a couple and uh, we had some failures. And then all of a sudden we started, you know, producing some really clean plates. Uh, we had a guy doing our leather work. And he did tremendous leather, uh, you know, huge, great quality stuff that he was doing for uh, a belt company. I don't even know who he was working for at the time, but he was doing, like, fashion and designer belts. Uh, but between the three of us, we collabed and started pumping these out, and people just caught on. And the detail is unlike what you see when you go and buy a belt from WWE shop or any of those places. You know, that stuff's cheaply made, poor quality, fake leather. They even use cardboard inserts in their uh, their straps so that when you bend them, they crease and break and crack. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to bring everybody the closest belt they can get to what they see in the ring. So we're, we're on a roll right now. It's the best, you know, best business has ever been, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm doing what I love. Man, that's fucking crazy, man. You're probably like in 1% of people that are A, doing what they love, and then two, fucking creating belts. And then if you have the best wrestlers in the world forgetting their title or their title didn't come in this week, and then you have it, and they can't tell the difference between your belt and the actual belt that the company made for them. That's a fucking story in itself. Let me ask you this. Do you like villains? I'm a big fan of villains. <laughs> you said, yeah, man, this is uh, it's been a surreal time for me right now, especially in the world of uh, villain enterprises. I'll tell you that. Yeah, man. So look, tell me, man. Uh, how, shit, man. How, so how did that? How did you meet Marty? First, first of all, you met him at uh, social media, man. It was all on Instagram. Uh, he's from what I know, he's an action figure collector. A collector. He collects wrestling figures, um, and I think that's what drew his attention to my profile to start. Um, and a couple guys on there, you know, famous wrestlers were, were following me and had bought some wrestling figures from me in the past. But he had uh, come out one day and messaged me when I posted the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title that we had just finished. And he said, hey, he goes, these belts are gorgeous. Can you tell me more about them? And I'm like, rubbing my ass. I'm like, is that fucking, is that Marty Scroll? Like, the real Marty? So I click on it. I'm like, damn, it's got that blue check mark next to it. I'm like, this is him. <laughs> I'm like, this is pretty crazy. So, you know, I ran around the house a few times and then I regained my composure. I was like, all right, so let me tell you about him. And, you know, I sent him a lot of detailed photos and he was just ecstatic about him. And he said, hey, I want you to create me every belt that I've ever won. He goes, from New Japan, you know, to Ring of Honor, to 
do any of the indie scenes, any belts you can do that I've held in my career, I want you to make them for me uh, so that I can do a display in you know, my man cave and have them all up there, all the belts. And I said, wow, that's a crazy idea. I love it. I said, I'm totally down for it. Let's get this going. So the first belt I actually made, Marty, was the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight. Um, and I actually brought that to a Ring of Honor show in Buffalo. I drove out there and I presented it to a person. And we did a little exchange. I don't know if you saw that. He gave me a lot of ring use gear, which was pretty wild to get. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I got the, uh, the Bullet Club coat, the uh, the plague mask, you know, all that stuff. The ring on Trumpsy Warriors, Okada, and all in. I mean, crazy stuff. And that that was a cool deal to me. And that was that meant more to me than, you know, the money at the bit. Uh, just to have some of that stuff, a piece of the history from, you know, such a big name in wrestling. Uh, but he loved the product. And he said, hey, he came to me, you know, weeks later and he goes i've got an idea and i want to run this by you we're on a time deadline but i want to change the belt history for ring of honor and being that we're the six-man tag champions i want my own gimmick belt and i was like dude i love the idea i'm like what do you have in mind he goes well i want you to you know draw me up some artwork he goes show me what you got and then we'll go from there so i sat there all freaking night out of my mind Drawing up all this art, you know, trying to get all these computer graphics together, trying to make sickest that you know belt he could possibly think of. So I get all these together and I present them to him, and he goes, "Nah, nah, I'm not good with those. Nah, I don't like that." And I'm like, "Dude, what do you want, man? I'll do whatever you want. You just tell me." He goes, "I want it simple." He goes, "Super simple." He goes, "Villain Enterprises, we have this logo." He goes, "I want you to take that and turn that into a belt." I said, so you don't want all like, you know, the leaves and the, you know, the fancy stuff in the background, all the action and detail. He goes, no, I want you to throw out there as bold as you can, the Villain Enterprise logo all over this belt. And I want to bring that out on live TV at the end of June at the best in the world pay-per-view. And I was just like, I had to pick my job off the floor. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I said, all right, well, how much time do I have here? It usually takes around five to six weeks. And that's pretty much what we had was to work with. Um, and lo and behold, we settled on, you know, the, the graphic and the artwork, he approved it and we got going and, you know, between the, the plating and the, the etching and engraving and the painting and all that and the leather work, we got it all together and I kept it quiet. I didn't tell anybody and he wanted a full surprise. So I sent him photos of them once they were finished. He was super thrilled and I was going to mail them to him. I was like, you know what, I've got a lot going on this month. I'm going to watch that pay-per-view, and I'm going to be sitting there glued to the TV to see that he debut this. Uh, and then out of nowhere, we worked out a deal where he actually had, uh, was super cool. He caught me a couple tickets, and I found myself driving out to Baltimore to deliver these belts in person to Billion Enterprises so they could debut them on live pay-per-view that night in front of thousands. So it was, it was a pretty surreal moment for me to actually be there live and see them bring out my creation on live TV. Especially with that crazy entrance. I don't know if you saw it with those Road Warriors spiked shoulder pads in the war paint, but that yep. was one of my favorite moments, I think. And when when that pop from that crowd, when they came out and had your work around them, like what was that feeling, if you could describe it in words? Man, I had I had goosebumps, and if, if I wasn't bald and I had hair on my head, my hair would have been standing up all night. I was just, <laughs> I was out of my mind, man. I was so happy. And it was crazy. The people around me in that section that I was sitting in, they had all, like a lot of them had followed me on Instagram. So they were all patting me on the back, like, oh my God, look at this. This is insane. Martin's wearing them. They're beautiful. And it's just like the support from the community. Just, it's overwhelming to know that, you know, you've got that back and support that people love that. And my phone, I'm pretty sure I had to charge my phone three times that night 
days out before my battery died with all the messages and all the people calling me and stuff just to, to thank me for doing it and to congratulate me on it. And it, it was cool. And I told Marty, I said, the only thing I want from you is to meet up with you guys after the match and get one photo with you guys with the belts post-match. And we went back there and we did that before we left. And that was, that was cool of me to have that moment captured because, you know, it, it, it happened so fast. And it's one of those things that I'm going to look back on and tell my kids about one day. Like, I had, you know, a hand in changing pro wrestling history. And I, I my stamp is on it. Like, I made about, the, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world air it on live TV. And it's just, I, I'm still speechless over it, man. I still don't believe it happened. And the crazy part is, bro, it's just the beginning. That's the that's the crazy oh, sure. part about it, man. That's just that's just a a case. And, and I like to do a thing where you know, uh, the listeners, everybody that's listening all over the, from state to state, all over the world. Thank you. Um, you are listening to some exclusive some exclusive shit right here, right now. And the number one thing that I want y'all to take away from this whole conversation is, you know, follow your dreams, do what you love, and when opportunity comes knocking, your ass better to be ready because my guy here is always ready and marty is a is a great human being i remember uh he was in philly and um i paid uh all this money to to see these guys and, and to get signings and uh, i just went and got an umbrella uh, one of his and um i didn't even you know uh pay him to sign this particular thing and he just seen it and i was like yo marty yo man you think you can sign it for me he's like yeah man no problem so so as you're telling the story about marty i'm looking at my bullet club marty signed umbrella right across cross from me is one of the staples in the cave man so i mean i i, I can imagine yeah. man i had one conversation with the guy so you know for you to have multiple ones man i know i know that it, it's dope when someone appreciates your work and then let alone like you said you're you're a part of history and and no one can take that away from you brother and that's all from you know the mud the, the grind man what what would have happened if you never would have you know got into it if you just would have been you know happy just buying belts and you know but you out here making a difference man I definitely respect that and appreciate that, bro. For real. Thank you. Thank you, man. Like I said, it's it's been a long time coming, man. This is years and years in the making. So for this to this to happen at this point, it's just like it's only the beginning. And I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of the belt community, the action figure community, you know, wrestling in general, man. And everyone says, you know, wrestling's on the decline. It's not. It's just there's so much out there right now and it's so it's such a fun time to be a part of it because Without social media, back in the day, this would have never happened. I would have never got this opportunity because, you know, the word of mouth and the fact that you can see stuff on social media. These wrestlers, I've seen more and more, you know, pro wrestlers, you know, on my page, following me, commenting, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, they can see you and you're a fan of theirs and they're sitting there acting as if they're a fan of your work. And it's like, that alone, you know, that that's enough for me. A like on my page by one of these top wrestlers, like, that's cool stuff to talk about. But when you're actually working with them and collaborating with them, that's a whole other level. And I'm, you know, I got a taste of it, so I'm ready for more. Oh man, it's definitely it's definitely only beginning, man. I know once I debut, you already know I'm going. I know exactly who to call <laughs> when it comes Hell to those yeah. when it comes to those belts, man. But look, man, uh, I had one more question for you before we got out of here. Since you're a wrestling historian, um, what is your favorite? Uh, what is your favorite era of wrestling? And then, what do you think is the most impactful era of wrestling? I would, I would have to say that my favorite era would be the golden age, man. I mean, late 80s, early 90s. That, that's what I grew up on, the, the larger-than-life characters. I mean, I know nowadays people think it's corny. 
Uh, I, I bought the WWE Network just so I could go back and watch all that. I mean, Hulk Hogan, your Macho Man, your Randy Savage, you know, Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake, Mr. Perfect, Million Dollar Man, those guys, like, those were characters to me. They, they, they were like cartoon characters come to life. So that era, the wrestling might not have been the best. It might not have been as interesting as it is now, but just the stories and the builds and just everything about it was so raw and you could get so into it as a kid. I remember just like one big league was just Ultimate Warrior versus uh, Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania 6. That match had me sitting on the edge of a chair and I was like, Hulk Hogan cannot be beat. He's never been beat. And when Warrior beat him, I think I cried that night. It's like to get that emotion out of somebody. Like, that's some real shit right there. And that, it was powerful. And I remember, you know, Warrior was off and running and it's just like, this is this is what I love. This is definitely going to be my passion. But the most influential, the most impactful, I've got to give it to the Attitude Era. That Attitude Era changed the game in so many ways with your Stone Colds and your Rocks and Triple H, you know, D-Generation X, New Age Outlaws and, uh, you know, Nation of Domination. There was so much involved in that. It was raw. There was attitude. It was edgy. And like as you see now, like the current product, you know, it's getting stale. People are getting bored with this PG era at the WWE. And all of a sudden last week, it's starting to trickle in. You've seen a little bit of a glimpse of attitude. And it's like you can't think that 20 years ago that that would impact, you know, what's going on in today's wrestling world. But it is. And they're still doing it. And if you look at John Moxley, you can't tell me that he doesn't have a so-called feel to him right now, you know, at AEW. Yeah. You know, it's a good time to be a fan. But, yeah, that attitude era was, was crazy. Yeah, that's what made me uh, – definitely got me into wrestling. Uh, made me a fan and, and made me realize, like, okay, you know, I, I left I left one aspect alone for a little bit. I came over to the wrestling world, uh, started a wrestling group, uh, did a podcast, and changed to a podcast network. And I'm like, all right, maybe I can do the wrestling thing. And it's just like, all right, cool. Like you said, a lot of that influence, a lot of that attitude, you know, getting to, getting into those characters and um, being larger than life and being able to talk and having wrestling psychology um, all plays a major part. And now you add, you know, with the spots and, you know, how technical things are. And, you know, uh, today in the age where like social media, it, you know, it's so easy for, you know, these these to get in contact with these wrestlers or these wrestlers to be able to, to contact you or to talk to certain people, man. It, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's definitely a great time. Uh, to be a wrestler, but you you told that uh, you you told that very well. I, I never really looked at it like that. I would say like the most impactful, like right here, right now, is kind of like I would say now before you broke it down, just for the simple fact is because this is like the actual era where you know uh, I'm living in it like an adult, like not even like as a kid. So I didn't even really realize like all the things that was going on, like all the backstage stuff, all the things going on with social media and et cetera, et cetera. But you made a lot of sense when you said, you know, as far as like everything is trickling back. And, you know, it makes sense when it says history is repeating itself because we're definitely back in the attitude era where we got AEW on TNT. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like all yeah, over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got a new Aladdins you know, and new Lion Lion Kings and et cetera, et cetera going yeah. on and Chucky's yeah, and all that. Back around, man. For sure, everything comes back around, and sooner or later, that's why the action figures and the wrestling figures are so hot right now. And these retros paying homage to the Hasbro figures. I mean, it's just—it's that's what people love. And you know, it might go stale for a bit, but you know, just like certain you know clothing fads, that shit's coming back eventually, man. Whether you like it or not. So, yeah, man. Well, look, man. This is 
Wow, what a fucking episode. I don't even know how to go to... I don't even know where to go to episode two. This is episode one of Behind the Arts with JB Toys, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me today, man. I had fun, brother. We got to do this again. Uh, And yo, man, thank you so much for dropping the jewels and and bringing us into your world, man, for real. Hey, thank you. It was a pleasure and it was a privilege to be on, man. I'm a big fan of you and your work, so... When you're ready for that bell, when you're ready for it, you let me know and I'll be bringing it to you, all right? My guy, man. Thank you, brother.